The bald fat man is Jeff. In the wild, Jeff preys upon fast food and mounting dew. Each new morning, he surprises himself that he survived another day. The dark-hair-bearded fellow is Garrett. His spreadsheets are a way of survival, and his opinions are fine. Just fine. Together, the Jeff and the Garrett form the Give em Hell Brigham podcast. Despite their lack of tangible skills or noticeable intelligence, they not only survive together, they thrive together. So strap in, folks. Things are about to get weird. A new episode of GEHB starts right now. Oh, Jeffrey, Jeffrey, Jeffrey. I think we set a record for amount of time talked, talking to each other prior to hitting start that we did in the entire two, almost three years now of this whole damn show. Well, like productive we talked talking. For, yeah, like we literally, we are going to revolutionize BYU sports via, via, through this podcast. <laughs> through. Just By had, way, had to go from the, the Latin to the, way to of the... this podcast, we will. Yeah. Also, we, will. we both got new mics. So hopefully this sounds better. Somebody told you that these were really good mics and it seems like they are, but except for the stands are like little dinky stands. And so we are holding them. So if, if it kind of goes out and in and out like that, it's because you and I are both holding the mic next to our phone. We've ordered boom arms. So we're going to be like this time next week, we're going to be freaking legit, legit. So it's going to be over for you, hoes, soon. To be clear, though, I don't have a dinky stand. I have a 14-inch stand, and I just rest it on top of my gut. You just wanted to say 14 inches. <laughs> That's the only a ridiculous time. number. Only time I've been ever, just <laughs> ever able to say that. Uh, we are going to do some cool stuff with podcasting. And we're going to involve NIL, and we're going to need your help. Maybe... I don't know, Garrett, what's let's think in real time is the best way to do it to kind of talk about what we brainstormed here or do we write a newsletter? Um, I think maybe we'll, I'll do a news we can do a newsletter and say, uh, but brainstorm basically NIL, BYU, NIL is completely changing college football. If you were, unless you've been living under a rock, you've noticed that the uh, portal opened yesterday half of the starting quarterbacks in the ACC, ACC are in the portal. Um, Spencer Sanders was a four-year starter at Oklahoma State. He is also in the portal. Everybody and their dog is in the freaking portal, and it's like a ridiculous amount of portaling, and it's all because of money. And BYU started out great with the Bilt Bar stuff. We heard a couple players said last year that, you know, after games, guys at other schools were like, yo, what's going on with all this Bilt Bar stuff? How much money y'all getting? And then that was really before the collectives popped up. And now it's mm-hmm. collective time. And yeah, BYU has Coot Connect. They're doing good things. Uh, that is, I would say, for, that is for the retail donor, right? That is the Coot Connect. They're charging $9.99 a month. It's 90% of the money goes to players. That's good. That's uh, great. Let's SMU, be clear. That's great. That is great. S- Texas Tech announced that they gave 15 grand to every football and basketball player. And then like <laughs> three days later, SMU said, we don't care. We're SMU. We got all this oil money. And freaking SMU and the American is giving people 25 grand a year. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's like the, um, so it is like it, it we got to up our game. And so part of, you know, NIL 
is that there is supposed to be actually some work done. And so as part of that work, it would, you know, if you need to make a media appearance, what better place to make a media appearance than a podcast hosted by both you and me. So if you have a business or you just have fistfuls of cash, then reach out to us. Tell us which player you want on. We will figure out what their fee is or just tell us how much you want to pay for to hear from that player and uh, we can get them on the show for an interview. And I'll go even one step more simple than that. Uh, if you don't really care who you hear from, you just want to help the cause, reach out, let us know, and we will do what we can. Like We will take that money, we will put it in some kind of an escrow account or something like that, and we will pool up money and start to get you know, bigger funds for bigger guests or whatever. So yeah. we're going to so, do this. We're going to do this. And you have informed me that after I removed the little like voice filter thing that I sound better. So we're going to keep that off. Yeah. Way better. Okay. That's good to know. Good to know. Way, 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 way better. Um, so it is, you know, I, I'm excited, not really excited, but uh, it, it, this will be good. This is needed. This gives away. I think that there are plenty of BYU fans out there who want to give or pitch in, but maybe don't know the best way to go about that. And now they can, and we're here and you can, you know, you can be here with us. And so, but there has been news this week, right? So there, there is actual BYU stuff. We didn't last week. We didn't record. um, Well, we had the Logan show, but that kind of stinks now. That does kind of stink. And I, I feel I have never seen in the, let's see, when did we, how long have we known each other going years. on like seven, eight know. years now? Yeah. Years. Um, it was like 2015 since we've known each other ish and followed each other on Twitter before that. But our daily group text started in 2015, 2016. Right. The, I have never seen you so affected by a player choosing to go to a different school than what we saw with Logan Fano announcing today it, that he's entering the portal. Logan's my guy. I think I think people people forget that. <laughs> it feels weird to say, dude. I, I have. I've been. Uh, it's been a it's been a rough day. Um, I love covering recruiting. Right. I've talked about this. People have asked me because I. I'm not making any money doing this. I I invest way more time and money into covering recruiting than I do make that I that I make doing anything on 24/7 or up until this point really uh us at Given Hell Brigham, right? It, it is a labor of love and I truly love getting to know these kids. I've covered Logan. BYU was the first to offer Logan when he was in 8th grade. Uh just a pup I, I don't really like go out of my way to get to know the eighth graders, right? But like that was when we first like talked and I got to know his dad a little bit. And we have built a relationship, a friendship for for this long. And uh there's a personal connection that I'm not gonna delve into, but like the guy has been through a lot, right? Like we've talked about it with him on the show. Like he came home from his mission early. Like he's had his own mental health struggles. I've been open about mental health struggles and all of that kind of stuff. Right. And so there, there's been a connection there that goes well beyond, you know, football, uh, that, that very rarely 
Uh, I get, you know, I like a lot of kids that I cover, you know, love Isaac Rex, love Preston Rex, love Lorenzo Falatea. Uh, but it's, I, I love those kids as football players. Like, you know, they, right. they were cool kids to get to know. It's very uh, different. It, it, it's different. Like it, it, it's, we talked about this too on our discord today that it's like, especially like we think about the rivalry, right? Like it is no, it is no mystery that you and I despise the University of Utah, and I also dislike Utah State University, even and you hate them more than Utah, way right? more. But it is that they're it is different as players, especially for many of the Polynesian players that have relatives and friends that have played, coached. You know, you know, even you look at the Kafusi family. We associate the Kafusis with BYU, but half. You know, Steve played at BYU. Half is half the of the first generation played at BYU. Half of them played at Utah, and then you know Steve coached at Utah. Bronson and Corbin played at BYU. Devin transferred to Utah after he playing at BYU. Like it's there's a lot. The rivalry is very different for them. Yeah. So while we are like so mad that it's like he, if assuming Logan goes to Utah, um, if there is, we think of like oh he's like a traitor which I saw somebody on Twitter call him a traitor and like make a reference to like Judas Iscariot, which what the hell, man. Um, the, if you, you think of it as like, he's, you know, like a traitor cause he's going to your rival school. But when you're a kid that grew up going to games at both schools, because you've had relatives play at both schools, it's not the same It's the way that us fans view it. it it's as much not. as it pains me to say, cause I wish I had that every player in the program hated them as much as I do. I hated them as much as with the fire of a thousand Max Halls, but it's not the same. And, and for me, what was what's what was challenging, I guess, about today is I I know what this rivalry does to fans. I know when Logan Fano makes his decision, when he announces that, I've done this BYU thing long enough to know the hellstorm that he's walking into that immediately he's going to have a bunch of people who just fawn over him because he chose their jersey color and he's going to have a whole bunch of BYU fans that with the drop of a hat turn their back on him and start making all sorts of assumptions about his character about who he is about all of these things and uh, it happens to everybody right sometimes it's you know maybe more justified than others sometimes uh, we get a little bit of the story and, and, and as fans, and it's easy to to make some assumptions and things like that. With with Logan, the kid changed his mind, period. And uh, that sucks. Like, that really sucks. Uh, I, I have chosen. So Logan came onto our show just last week. And, and told us that he was committed to Kalani, said all of the right things. It felt like, hey, we've got our guy, right? And less than a week later, like that changes. And so people are looking at it. And I, I, I didn't start to get upset like on the internet until it was like, oh, people calling him a coward, people calling him a liar, people calling him this and that. Could he have made it up, right? Like, could he have totally lied to me last week? Sure. Like, of course he could have. Uh, I've known him long enough that I asked him point blank this morning. Uh, I said, so we, we had talked. For those of you who didn't see the Twitter thread, uh, well, maybe maybe I'll start there. Uh, before 
Logan told Kalani and told the BYU coaching staff, he called, he didn't call me, he texted me last night. And he said, hey, I got some news. I know it doesn't feel like I'm a man of my word with what I'm about to tell you, but I'm a man of my word and I told you that I would tell you first before anybody else. And I was like, oh no. Like immediately I know what's coming, right? And so he tells me that he's going to treat He texted you like a girlfriend. Hey, Jeff, he did. We, need, it, we need to talk. We're going to break up. And it was, it was tough. And so anyway, he tells me, but what he did, is, he handled his shit. Like that's the best way to put it. He uh, he knew what he was getting into. Like he knew the optics of how this looked. He knew what he had, you know, said to us a, a week ago on the on the podcast. And he said, you know, to the tune of I, I don't have it verbatim memorized. Like I, you know, I, I wrote it down on Twitter, but I'm not going to read it. Uh, he said something to the tune of like, "Hey, man, I you've done a lot for me." And believe me, Logan and I have talked through a lot of non football stuff. Like our relationship is different than my the way that I cover every other recruit I've ever covered. We we've talked about a lot of stuff um, as he was coming home from his mission and, and struggling with mental health and things like that. And so anyway, he, he reaches out and he says, Jeff, the one thing that I don't want to do is I don't want to embarrass you. I don't want to embarrass your podcast. He's like, so just blame it on me. Tell everybody I lied. Tell everybody that this is my fault. Tell everybody that uh, you were you know deceived or whatever. Right. Like he totally is willing to fall on the sword. And I'm not going to do that. Like, I, I just don't care. Could he be lying to me? Maybe. I asked him again this morning, like, just straight up, point blank. I was like, bro, like, did you know last week? And he's like, no, man, I, I really did not. Like, this was the result of a lot of hard, hard process, a lot of thought, a lot of, you know, stuff that people go through when they make hard decisions. He did all of those things since this podcast last week. And I truly believe that he changed his mind in the last few days. People can believe that or not. That's fine. Maybe he's lying to me. I don't know. But I'm going to go can down. Choose, I'm going to say that if you don't, don't believe that, you are stupid. Well, uh, I don't just care. Straight, I mean. No, well, I'm just. Okay, you don't have to care. But I'm saying <laughs> you know him better than anybody else has covered. You have talked to him for damn near a decade now, almost. Like you're talking like it's been. As long as years. I've known you. Yes, you have known him as long as we, you and I have known each other. He called you to tell you before he even sat down with Kalani. And yeah. so if you are just a random person on Twitter or Cougar Board or on our 27 site or our Discord or anywhere else talking about BYU sports, and you're trying to read into, well, he's just a liar. He sold out. He's a traitor. Like, read into this. You have no idea what he his home life is like. You have no idea what it was like for him to come home from a mission early and then have to walk around BYU being the kid who came home early. You have no idea what it was like to come home early. You didn't get a normal recruiting cycle because you never got to take any official visits because you graduated during the COVID season. You never, you came home from your mission and you were early and then football was your thing and then you got hurt. And so you couldn't play at all for a year. You don't like all of these things that you have no idea what, it is like what was going through Logan's head. So to say like, without knowing any of that, to try to like point this back to where, and it really sucks that Logan had to tell you say, Hey, I know this is what everyone is going to think and what they're going to say. Let them say it. Like they should not like that is if there's any ill feelings towards BYU from the Fano family, it will 1000%. It's not because of what supposedly happened at the Arkansas game, which is blown out of proportion and not ex what happened at all with 
the, them and leaving early to go to a game that they were already planning on leaving early to go to. They, if there are any feelings about the Fano family towards BYU, it is 1000% will be because of what fans say publicly on different websites and different social media platforms about Spencer and Logan. Uh, yeah, and, and I think that's all fair. And 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 I'm not going to tell anybody how to feel. Like, great. You want to think he's a liar? Like, that's fine. Like, I get it. Uh, I don't think he lied. And for all the reasons that you just said, right? Like, I don't think he came and lied to me. I don't think he intentionally... I, th- I think when we interviewed, when, when he and I sat and talked last week, I genuinely believe him when he said that he thought he was going to stay at BYU. And that things changed. What caused that change? I have no idea. Not my business, not my tail. I don't really care anymore. Um, but I, I genuinely believe him. And if and if he wants to, you know, if he's making it up to just try to make me feel better, or if he, you know, set us up or whatever, if it, it, you know, all of these malicious things that people have accused him of doing, fine, so be it. I would much rather go down trusting the people who who I care about and being deceived and looking like a fool later on than I would assuming that the people that I care about have malicious intent and are out to like get me somehow. And that's really where I sit with, with the whole Logan Fano thing. And so, yeah, you, you mentioned, right? Like it affected me. It didn't, I mean, it did. It made me sad. I'm a fan just like anybody else. I have to you know put this hat on where I try to walk down the middle of things and I try to be, you know, whatever a journalist is supposed to be. Uh, but I care like about winning football games as much as any fan does. I, I promise you there's not a BYU fan out there that is not on this coaching staff or named Raider DeMooney, who is more upset about Logan not playing at BYU than I am. Nobody. There's not one single person more upset about that than I am. However, um, I do put kids first. That's one of the, the things that I've learned covering recruiting. I put these kids first ahead of that helmet, ahead of the, the BYU logo. And so you mean when to I tell me that, behind the helmet in the jersey there's an actual human being there's a human feelings being. that cares about things more than fo- there, there's more things in life to them that are important than football and a lot of them go through more shit than most of us can imagine in our lives like i'm not gonna say that that's logan but a lot of them go through some real life stuff right so when i started to see people attacking his character that's when i got upset because he is like a little brother to me. And when I see th- people call him a coward, call him a liar, uh, things like that, like, yeah, that pissed me off. And again, believe what you want to believe. That's great. I don't care. However, I'm going to choose to like go down believing the guys that I believe in, period. And I, it, I, it, I you're, feel... you're the one that actually has a personal relationship with them, which right. is why I said people are stupid. Cause if the guy who actually knows them and has talked to them feels one way, then why should you random person on the internet who doesn't knows nothing about what's going on behind the scenes? Like and get, if, if totally there's any impute anything into it, if there's any fan at this point who should feel like, Hey, wow, you actually did betray me. It should be me. Like, not only do I have a a week ago, he sat here and said, I'm committed to Kalani and BYU on our show, uh, you know, with our longstanding relationship and with, you know, all of the things that we just talked about. He was literally the only paid employee of this show. (laughs) He was. He's the only paid employee of the show. And uh, I I choose to, to, to believe him. And so, like, great. 
if that's not enough for the rest of you guys, like I, I see you know, somebody on Twitter and if you listen to this show, like, yes, I'm talking about you that was offended and up in arms because he took a picture with the Utah coaches and he was flashing the U and that is a low class move. Like I, the, the coaches were there at his house visiting Spencer Fano where Spence just committed to the U today. They took a family picture after he flashed the U I could not care less. Like whether he transfers, whether he doesn't, tra- I could not care less. Even I, even if he didn't transfer, he's still his brother, and he still wants to support his brother. Yeah, and so for for you to for that fan and for fans like that to like somehow make that picture about them, like great, do you? I guess I I don't agree with you. I think you're wrong. I think it's it's short sighted. I think it's dumb. If there's anybody who should be upset by this decision, if there's any fan who should be upset by what happened, it's me, and I'm telling you. I am team Logan Fano forever. So believe what you want to believe. It's been a tough day though. It's been a tough day to just see that go on. And, and, and candidly (sighs) BYU fans don't recognize their influence on the internet. We got to talk about this, that the BYU fans, I've seen it a million times when I say things like, Yo, you got to be careful what you say online because recruits see it. Well, if recruits don't like it, they shouldn't be on the internet. Family shouldn't be on message boards. <laughs> like all of that can be true. It's not that R did not be an asshole. That is the official. That is the official morality statement of give him hell, Brigham, and our stance on the internet. Well, it, it, it is, and and so whether. Whether you want to say fans should or shouldn't be on the internet, or excuse me, players should or shouldn't be on the internet, they should or shouldn't be on message, like, great, doesn't matter. Like, just because you're on a message board doesn't give you the right to be this asshole. And when you are an asshole, players are going to see it. Recruits are going to see it. Parents see it. And it does have an impact. No, I haven't heard of anybody that has come to me and said, yeah, I was going to sign with BYU, but then I hopped on Twitter and their fans are awful, so I changed my mind. But I have heard. I've covered recruiting for a decade, Garrett. I have heard recruits who have said, I don't really like the way that the BYU fans interacted with me when I posted a picture of somebody else. Like Those are real comments from real people. This isn't a don't tweet at recruits thing. This is a don't be a dick because especially in in situations like this, like Logan Fano, do you know who his cousins are? Adney Reed, who's committed to BYU and part of the 2024 class. Gabe Reed, right? Like Karine Reed, their cousin is also cousins with the Fanos. Do you think that Adney Reed, who's going to be one of the best players in in BYU's class in, in 2024, do you think that he's going to love watching BYU fans shit all over his cousin who he's super close to? Do you know who else is like super close to the Fano's? Is it's Raider DeMooney. And he doesn't have to play where his dad coaches. So if he gets home from his mission in like five days and he sees a bunch of BYU fans that are shitting all over his best friend and Logan Fano, do you not think that's going to play a role? So... To pretend like it doesn't matter just because it's on a message board and fan or players and family should grow thicker skin doesn't excuse it. That can still be true, right? Players and families, they got they gotta know what they're walking into. But man, what if we were the fan base 
that didn't just like use that as a crutch to say anything and everything we've ever had pop into our head to just be that total asshole of a fan base. What if we were the fan base of, as BYU fans that regardless of what happened, we're respectful to these kids. We're respectful to their f- parents, to their families. We want to be dicks to other fans. Great. Be dicks to other fans. Makes no difference to me. But when it start when you start talking about individuals who you don't know, it makes a an impact. It absolutely has an impact. I've heard it from my own with my own ears. It makes well, an impact. And you think about in too, even it does make an impact. I mean, we've heard I've heard the same thing from recruits. When you talk to people and you're talking about like when a kid says no to a school, that it's like one, just like don't tweet at recruits. Like, unless you want to say good luck, best of luck to you, that is the only thing or welcome when they do thing. If they do commit or sign, whatever, that's the only thing you ever need to say to a crew. Don't say anything else. The, if you go and, um, if you need, feel the need to say anything else, just shut up for one. But two, it's like, just love BYU. You don't need to hate everything else. And when you are a recruit, you have been, talking and building a relationship like you're not just commuting committing commuting committing to one school you're also like breaking up with 10 other schools right like spencer fano committed to utah he had to call jim harbaugh who has been taught he's been talking to him and was at his house three days ago playing monopoly or whatever with him and same and talk to call dan lanning at oregon and say hey uh thanks for coming my family really enjoyed it I'm, you know, it's, I'm staying, I'm going to stay, I'm going to Utah. Like Logan, he had to, Logan had to tell Kalani that he's transferring just this morning. And after a, a tough conversation, you know what Kalani said? I love you, Logan. Whatever makes you happy. That's what matters to me most. Period. Yeah. Like, and it's, if that doesn't summarize it, I don't know what does. Well, you think that it, Kalani's not more vested in the future of the Fano brothers than, you know, Joe Blowhard on Twitter. Like, come on, guys. Yeah. It's just be better. Like, we don't need to be the fans that show up on, what is it, like, message board geniuses, the message board genius Twitter account. Like, just don't be a jerk. You don't need to say things about, you know, somebody. So, I mean, I obviously, there's all certain times, like when Dallin Holker transferred earlier in the year, there were actual players that came out and said stuff because the way he did it was dirty. And... He didn't go about it the right way, right? And so that's different, but it's the what you say. When you talk about like Jaron Hall is the starting quarterback, is the face of the program. Kalani Satake is the head coach, which it's, guys, it's seven years in. It's Satake. S-I-T-A-K-E. That one got me. That one really got me. And because like that was a BYU fan. And I, I usually, guys, I had something like 12,000 mentions on Twitter today. And that's a real number, not just like an exaggerate. Like it was an absurd amount of mentions today. Uh, <laughs> one of the guys, I hope you listen to this show because go to hell. But one of these guys <laughs> who called him a coward. Uh, yeah, he kept calling Sataki his like they're saying spelling Sataki wrong. It was one of my wittier wittier moments, I think. But he was like, "Oh, so I corrected his spelling," and he's like, "Oh, you're gonna come after me for spelling?" And I was like, "Oh no, guy." Thought I made that pretty clear. I came after you because you're an anonymous coward on the internet. Like the, the spelling is just to help you not look like a clown. 
I thought that was one of my wittier tweets I've ever witted. The, yes, the wittiest of witter tweets. Um, so the <clears throat> if you think of them as the face of the program, they are to fans, but to players, the fans are the face of the program to them. That is yeah. how, yep. just like if you want BYU to go outside of the Mormon bubble and go outside of the traditional places we recruit to go get the Landon Chambers out of Texas and go get, you know, more of the Cody Epps who played it modern day with Bryce Young, right? And started on the number one high school in America, have no ties to BYU. If you want to go get those kids who are going to feel out of place, no matter who they are, no matter how religious they are, they're going to feel out of place because they're going to come to a university where 98% of the people are a different religion than them at a religious school. And they're going to have to sit through classes learning about a religion that they're not a part of. Don't be that guy on Twitter. Like there is on wherever it is, like do not, we need to build the reputation of that. We are going to support players doing whatever is best for them. And because we want what is best for them, because we are the Christian university and that is what we do as Christian people, not I'm going to be an asshole because a kid went somewhere else. And I'm going to, I'm going to say what the hell man, because somebody had our rival school coaches come visit them as they were evaluating where they wanted to go finish their career. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So in summary, it sucks, sucks. Sucks for, I mean, let's talk football, right? Sucks from a football standpoint. Logan Fano is darn good. Uh, he's going to be really, really good. Now, there are some questions, right? Like, that ACL has been torn twice. That sucks. Like, I, he, he knows, I know, we're all, we're all well aware of the risk that that holds. And, like, that hurts. He's going to have to prove that he can stay healthy. I hope he can. Because, man, if he can, he's special. Um, yeah. It's going to hurt. It's going to hurt. Now, we have seen, we tried to prepare people and no matter how much we said, like there's going to be a bunch of roster turnover and there's going to be a ton of people in the, in the transfer portal. For some reason, people were still surprised this week when there was a, some roster turnover and a bunch of people hit the transfer portal. Um, the other side of the transfer portal is it is a two-way portal. You don't just like enter the transfer portal and, and go into the abyss, right? You enter the transfer portal and you can go get guys out of the transfer portal. The transfer portal has, like, it hurts. It hurts to lose a Logan Fano, but BYU has never been more equipped to replace a guy like Spencer Fano than they are right now. They've got to get it done, but they if the, the possibility is there by way of the transfer portal. So when I mean, we talked about how many quarterbacks are going into the portal, if there's a quarterback that's in the portal that you can think of, the staff has reached out to them. And uh, I mean, it's, it is ridiculous to me that there are actual legitimate fans of Brigham Young University football that think that Aaron Roderick should be fired because he's not a good offensive coordinator after oh, what crazy. has happened the last three and a half seasons. Crazy. Um, but the like Aaron, you we will not name names, but if you can think of the some of the biggest names in the portal, I can oh, tell anybody. you that that BYU has reached out and not. And it's not a, oh, whatever. It's that they know. I mean, they can, these kids are not dumb. They can see that 
Zach Wilson got drafted number two overall. They can see that Jaron Hall was turned into a draft pick. And the both of those were no name, pretty much no name recruits from the state of Utah who he's turned into NFL quarterbacks and they're picking up the phone. Now, whether they actually come is one thing, you know, but it's the going into the big 12 being a big 12 program with a coach who has now built a reputation of being a developer of quarterbacks because most coaches, even if, if you have a good quarterback, like most coaches, they will dev- they luck into one good quarterback, ride their coattails, and then it falls apart, and then they get fired. But so building back to back quarterbacks is really hard to do, unless you know you're a school where it's like, you know, you're getting the five star kid who's already you know out of the box turnkey going to be a damn near Heisman finalist in their production. Right. So it's the phone is being picked up, and here's, there's here's still the- more. To- and here's the other thing about it is that uh, BYU is reaching out to any of the big names that you've seen. Of course, they're reaching out to them. Everybody's reaching out to the big names. BYU's reaching out to all the small names too. The the kid out of Northern Arizona, yeah, BYU's reached out to him. Like from FCS levels, from JUCO levels. Uh, BYU, if there is a quarterback that you have seen their name in the transfer portal, I can promise you, BYU has watched their film and at least evaluated that aspect of them. And most of them, I would bet, that they've started to do some additional background due diligence on them. BYU is, uh, Coach Roderick is going nuts in evaluating quarterbacks and replacing Jacob Conover. Um, without saying anything about well, Jacob Conover, I can promise you that BYU is going to get somebody that they are more comfortable with moving forward than they were with Jacob Conover. So the transfer portals, it... it it hurts. It giveth and it taketh away. It hurts, yeah, but it's it's going to result in some very good players for BYU. That much I know. It will result in players for BYU, and I think ultimately, even if you look at the last couple of years, right? Like historically, BYU has gained a lot more from transfers than they have lost, and I think that will continue to be there because the especially for the LDS kids, right? Like it is more than just a random ho hum university college town that you live in. It really like it does mean more to a lot of the kids, and so they there is more to it in what you are representing and being there, and you know to like where it's like that is the destination school that where you want to be for a lot of these players, and so you not only do we see guys stick around that maybe would transfer to look for playing time elsewhere, we also see guys like the Uona Kavengas and the Wani Ungas, right? Know, the Loni Fingapos who. Um, go and signed with other schools and then we're like, eh, eh, actually I should be at home in Provo. This is where I belong. And so we have gained more from transfers in than we have transfers going out. And I think that's continue going to continue to say, stay um, the rest of the defensive transfers. Like we're going to see, I mean, even people, if you think the sky is falling because what we've had, Tate Romney has entered the portal, Jacob Conover. So, I mean, running down the list, right? So we've got, uh, Barrington entered the portal who people he was a freshman all-American so was Thomas Shelf. basically if you start enough games as a freshman you're basically guaranteed to be a freshman all-American uh, well, by somebody BYU had three freshman all-Americans announced today yeah so Kingsley, it's, Micah Harper who is somehow still a freshman but yeah I guess he is a freshman yeah. and who was the third uh Jacob Robinson also, somehow no, 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 Cody, Cody Epps. Cody Epps. That's a, sorry, wrong numbers. The zero. other zero. Yeah, uh-huh. Cody Epps, who is also still somehow a freshman. Yeah, because Cody Epps signed in 2020 and then had his COVID year and then redshirted last year. Um, 
One so, more thing. You, you just touched on it. I forgot that you did. I was going to interrupt it because you made a good point. Uh, those 2020 kids like that signed in that class, jo- uh, was it Bud? I think it was Bud. Bud Elliott talked about this. Josh Pate did too. Those guys didn't get to be recruited. They didn't get no. to go on official visits. They didn't get to go on any visits. They rarely got to go and meet with coaches in home. Like for the well, COVID for the restrictions. 20, for the 2021 class. Not 2020. Uh, well, whatever Because well, yeah. everything yeah, shut yeah, yeah. down after signing day in 2020. Right, right, right. So the 2021 class. So those kids who would have been recruited during the year 2020, part of that 2021 class. Yes. Yeah. They didn't get to have that normal recruiting experience. A lot of those dudes had to kind of commit and sign blind because they didn't know. Now the transfer portal opens up and those kids are getting recruited for the first time. Look, Logan Fano didn't get to go on official visits. There's a very good chance he doesn't go to BYU at all if he gets to take his five official visits. His brother did get to take official visits and BYU didn't even make the cut. So... Those 2021 kids, there's a lot across the country, not just at BYU, but across the country, there's a lot of those dudes that have hit the portal. And I think that you can safely read into some of that being because they didn't get to be recruited and maybe they got to where they signed and it wasn't what they hoped for. Yeah, Not only that, but if you're so looking the the sheer volume, like there were like almost there were over a thousand players enter the portal yesterday. Yeah. So wild. Which is that's across you know that's across FCS D two D three all the way down, but look at BYU. Okay, so we had Barrington, who was a freshman All American. Everyone says freshman All American. He played in the first six games of this season. I think he did. He get hurt. He got banged up, or was that Clark that got banged up? I can't remember. But he he played in six games and then didn't play the second half of the season. He was shoved down to be the seventh or eighth offensive lineman in the group. So it's yeah. whether that was because he just didn't get along with Daryl Funk. Because sometimes that happens when you get a new boss, you know, whatever. This is actually a good reason of why the portal is a good thing. Because sometimes you sign with the school and then your position coach changes, your head coach changes. And before you were stuck. And if you hated the new guy, you didn't fit the system. Well, sorry, your career was just over. And think um, about Campbell, right? He was recruited by Mike Empey. Didn't get to play for the one coach that he was like recruited to play by or was recruited by. Because he went on a mission. I think he gray shirted or something. Um, but he was part of that. Maybe he like was one of the guys that Grimes signed, but it was like he Grimes, signed in- Grimes came in January. I think he might have been that class. Yeah. What is that? The here. twenty, whatever the Zach Wilson class is, 2018, 2019. Uh so Campbell Barrington committed on June fourteenth. So he committed in June of twenty sixteen yeah. to um to Mike MP. Signed in 2018 after Jeff Grimes and Ryan Pugh were there. Went so, on a mission. Okay. And then for 2018, 2019, came back and then play. I think he played in 2020 under Mateos. And then Daryl Funk gets hired last year. So he's so, on his fifth offensive line coach. And none of them are the coach that he chose like to commit to. I think right. that's important to remember, right? Like, yeah, he commits to Mike Empey, never gets to play for Mike Empey. He maybe meets and talks to Coach Pugh and Coach Grimes like once, twice, maybe between the time that, and actually he signed early, if I'm remembering right, in 2018. Maybe, maybe not. Um, I don't remember. But maybe he talked to them once or twice, not very many times before he signed with BYU. 
Then he goes on a mission, yeah. comes back. It's not even Coach Pugh at that point. So the guy that he talked to once or twice that was his position coach isn't even there anymore. Now it's Coach Mateos, this other guy who he doesn't even know who he is. So he plays for Coach Mateos for a year. Then Coach Mateos and Coach Grimes bounce. So now he's on his third coach, fourth coach. Daryl Funk comes in as coach number five. Yeah, he he did sign early. So he signed on December 20th, 2017, like four days after Jeff Grimes was Yeah, and, and so like Pew hadn't even been announced yet. And so, yeah, Campbell Barrington transfers. Like he, you know, maybe he didn't like Funk. Maybe, you know, whatever. Like who, who cares what the situation is? Imagine that, Garrett. Imagine that you, when you accept a job, hell, this this happened to me. I accepted a job. Well, I interviewed. I interviewed for a job once. And I interviewed in one building. And then I had a second interview and I showed up for this second interview with this guy. And I went to go walk into the old building and nobody was there. Like it was cleaned out. And I was like, what, what fraud company did I just like interview with? And I text my buddy who I happen to know that worked there. And he was like, oh, shoot, we, we changed buildings, Jeff. Sorry, I forgot to tell you. We're on the building next door. And so I went to the building next door and had my interview with this guy who was the the boss's boss. So in the course of my interview process, already the building that I interviewed for was was gone. It was weird. Then when I accepted the job, I had like a three or four week break before I started. And when I, I finally started, the the boss who hired me was there. But the boss's boss, who I had that second interview with, he left. In that month between my job offer and the day I started, that guy was gone. So the guy who I had interviewed with that I had this weird building experience, he wasn't even there. It was weird, right? Like it was weird for me. And I was just a know-nothing employee doing an entry-level type job. Like I meant nothing and it wasn't that big of a deal. Imagine that as a high school or like a high school football player that you sign with one guy and all of a sudden everything has changed by the time you actually get there. And we're supposed to be mad that he transferred? Like, come on, and, guys. Yeah. So that's one. Uh, Jacob Conover, he's a quarterback. You can only play. You can get five linemen on the field at the time. At a time, you can only get one quarterback going at a time. Jacob Conover been in the system for three years. He took all the reps practice the week of the Notre Dame game. It was clear the staff still had more trust in a banged up Jaron Hall, who was probably high out of his mind and couldn't even see the other side of the field. And he. They, the the trust from the staff just wasn't there for whatever reason. He you know lost a QB battle last year, you know, and it was <clears throat> it was third string last year. Got a little bit of playing time. It was whatever he he wants to move on. That's fine. Okay, you're not. He's not the guy. You can sit and tell yourself that you're blue in the face that he was mismanaged and that was a quarterback that Nick Saban desperately wanted at Alabama and you will be lying to yourself. He had every chance. It just didn't work out. Sometimes that happens, right? It is what it is, right? He was a, you know, he wasn't, he was only a four-star prospect because of ESPN and their not actual recruiting service graded him as one. Right, Um, right. The, so there's that one you have Logan Fano now who discussed the length and then Tate Romney who is, you know, that's a bummer. It sounds like he same class, right? Same class as, is Logan, if yeah. I'm not mistaken that he didn't get to do his recruiting stuff. So yep, and it's, it's, he signed, and it's his I guess gone. having said that though, I think he's going to end up at Arizona state. And that was probably the one school he could have taken an official visit to during COVID. That's true. 
He probably did take an official visit. <laughs> That's the one school in the country that wouldn't have cared. Yeah, uh, but, but his he, high school coach now is on staff at Arizona State. So, like, let's just read between the lines here, ladies and gentlemen. Same with Jacob Conover, for that matter. Yeah, I, I mean, I posted this on our Discord. Jacob Conover is going to have the easiest drive home after this semester because he's going to stop to get gas in Cedar City and go talk to their staff. Then he'll keep going and grab some lunch with Paul Peterson in St. George and visit Utah Tech. He'll keep cruising on down. Instead of going through Vegas, he's going to go through Canab, hop down <laughs> through Flagstaff and stop at NAU, he's stop, off at, a, stop off at ASU and Tempe, and then keep cruising down the 101 and get off his exit in Chandler, and he's right back at home. He's going to do all four. He's going to do four official visits on his way home after taking his finals next week. Right. Yep. Um, so like, good for him. I think that's great. Yeah. I think and, it's great. In Romney, I mean, obviously, I think more defensive players. We will probably see some after spring ball. Um, there is some more public, uh, more real public news that. Uh, of a potential um, offensive or defensive coordinator hire, we will see in the next day or two um, that will get announced. If if you're worried, you know this the portal is happening fast. Everyone is going in the portal. Kids are not making up their mind today. Like everyone, I've seen people saying it's like melting down, right? Like it's oh my gosh, we're two days into this portal and we don't even have a defensive staff, so nobody there's nobody out there to even offer these kids. Like we are so far behind and we are so screwed. No, we're not. Relax. All right. There's, there's still coaches there. Kalani still reaching out to people. Justin Anderson is who? Do you, Justin Anderson is the recruiting coordinator. What do you think he's doing? He's still here. He's still coordinating recruiting. He's still reaching out to kids. He's still hitting up every kid. And guess what? Even if someone isn't officially hired yet, you can still tell all the kids, "Hey, this guy's coming in. This is who we're looking at. Whatever." And also, the easiest way to portal somebody is to just go freaking hire their coach. Like, look at, <laughs> if we if we hire Derek Odom, you think Viliami Fajoko is probably going to come with him. The Mountain West Defensive Player of the Year is probably going to say, hey, I've already played for this guy and was a first-team All-Mountain West Conference selection multiple times. I want to go play my last year in the Big 12. I'm going to go follow him to Provo. Boom, done, right? Like, it's right. the that is the easiest way. And so it's not a big deal that it is, we are two days into the portal and nothing has been announced yet. Relax, take a breath. Yep. Um, yeah. None of the guys, I think I can say this, none of the guys who have transferred from BYU would have stayed if there was a coach yesterday. So, yeah. so there's uh, that. Speaking of portal, though, it looks like a Daryl Funk just offered a transfer from Kent State, who is in the portal because Kent State's head coach is going to Colorado to be with Coach Prime, even though Colorado still has no idea how they're going to pay for Coach Prime. Uh, but he is have six. You heard three. Tim Brando talk about that? Yes. Okay. Yeah. This is a good. We can be done talking about portal stuff. The no. So yeah. Did you? Are you talking about the interview that they did with Three Sixty Five Sports? Yeah. With who? Yeah. Yeah. That's who. That so was. basically, with the Tim Brando. Tim Brando like, used to be a big deal. He used to be a big deal. Now he's. Now he's, he's, he's a now he's a big bit. dill. He's a big dill. Like it's you know it's he, <laughs> he's, he's a big he's a big deal in a place that is small enough where they pronounce deal as dill. Like, yeah, like he's kind of and hit he covers the, the Mountain West for CBS, so he's he, a Utah State guy. He's kind of hit the senile stage of his reporting. Like Brad Nessler is a legend, but Brad Lesler, Brad Nessler today, it's like man, might be time to hang it up, guy. Like that that's a little bit of Tim Brando, Tim Brando, but like 
Um, he seems to think, without breaking any news or anything, he sort of insinuated that maybe what that comment uh, from what's his name the the Colorado AD whatever his name is the comment of well, I don't know we don't have the money to pay Dion now but the money's coming people kind of heard that and are like oh Pac-12's getting paid according to Tim Brando it might be that uh, Colorado is Big 12 bound and I, I mean it makes sense because so Dion so Colorado their AD straight up said we don't know if we're going to get the money from to pay him but it'll be there <laughs> which is incredible. And now they've got Willie Taggart is on that staff. Uh, I don't remember who else they got. Uh, some The dude who was his tight end coach at Jackson State, who was the head coach at Minnesota for like six or seven years, is also following him there. They just pulled their offensive coordinator is the Sean Lewis, the head coach from Kent State, which if you haven't watched Kent State, their offense is fun as hell to watch. Um, they <clears throat> So there's a lot like prime is going to be interesting. I don't know if it's going to work. There's definitely going to be talent there. I don't know there. The talent disparity week to week is not going to be as big as it was when he was at Jackson state, because they had like one of the most talented FCS rosters playing in the worst thing. Like it was like take Bama's roster now and put it against BYU's wax schedules of 1985. That is like, that was the disparity of talent there. Um, but the, so I don't know if it's going to work, but also, I mean, the, the university of Colorado is recommitting itself to athletics is one of the things that they also said that Dion pushed for was that they're like the university is changing their admissions process or for transfers because they made it hard to transfer in, which is stupid because Colorado's not even that great at school. Like it's fine. That's, that's right? something that like, uh, it's not like it's rice or Stanford or Duke or Vanderbilt or Northwestern, right. but they so, were treating themselves like they were. And Dan was like, uh, no, we're not doing that. That is subprime. So, that, prime <laughs> admissions. so that's something that, uh, without saying it, Tim Brando kind of alluded to of like, uh, Colorado has had to, build up their academic re- reputation in the Pac-12 because like that's a, an important part of the Pac-12 of that West Coast school like great good you got Stanford you've got Washington you got Cal that are all saying hey academics matter like okay then that's Colorado like had a long way to go really good schools and then try to pretend the other eight matter sure too. and that's fine but those four really good schools right like they 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 call a lot of the shots with those university presidents and so Colorado has had to like build up their academic reputation. Coach Prime comes. We don't know how we're going to pay him. Oh, and also that academic re- reputation that we've been really worried about for the last dozen years, we don't care so much anymore. That's Big 12 language right there, folks. Academic reputation that we're not really that worried about? Sure, come on back home to Texas. Let's play some ball. And maybe uh, Arizona State doesn't really matter now for well so there was reported that every kind of mentioned that the uh the gonzaga to the big 12 thing like those conversations are very real and happening and it seems like the gonzaga ad is getting some feedback from all their other coaches besides basketball of what they want to do or if it, you know they're seriously evaluating it so i don't know if that means that they invite like a creighton or a wichita or somebody else to kind of balance it out but maybe if maybe all you need is arizona and colorado and it's you don't even have to worry about you don't even you don't even need two anymore 
get rid of divisions. Like, why not have 11 schools? Who cares? Or whatever, an odd number of schools. Yeah. I mean, you could just. It doesn't make a difference at that point. Yeah. Because it it would be. played with 11 for how many years? Like a long time. Yeah. They played with 11 for a long time. And so, yeah, you could do 13 schools. You could take just Colorado. You could take. Like, that seems weird, but you could. You could take take Colorado and Gonzaga and do 14 in basketball and 13 in football. Or you could do, you know, you could take Colorado and Arizona and have 14 in football and a 15th in basketball. Right. Like, it does seem. The options are pretty endless. I have not seen a program just flip on its head and, like, recommit itself so much. Because usually when there's a school that's like, we're going to be curmudgeonly academic. Like when Tulane elected to leave the SEC and consider dropping down to D2 because their president was like in the 60s, was like, there's, we don't like how sports are becoming too big of a thing for the school and we are a university. Like think right. of how what football is now and back in like 1960, right. you couldn't even watch a game on TV. They were like, oh, sports are becoming too much. They <laughs> like for Colorado to just completely pivot the way that they did is interesting. And I did, and maybe this is also reading a little bit into it as well, but the, um, what not Kenny Dillingham at ASU. I saw that, uh, what's this Jared Kalmus are a good, a UTSA friend who we've had on the show before for those games, <clears throat> for that game. Point of that ASU has hired a couple assistants from big 12 schools which is interesting, which, I mean, it could just be smart because Dillingham is like, hey, we need to get into Texas and we need to you know, pull kids from there and have those relationships. But maybe there's something to both Arizona schools coming. Yeah, up. I mean, look, we don't want to stoke the fire, but... We got to give us stuff to talk about in March. You know? We're, we're we going to stoke it, yeah, for sure. But I, I did listen to the Brando interview. It was, it was about 20 minutes long. It was a, a lot of the 365 clips are pretty short, but this was it was a decently long chunk. Um, and I quite enjoyed it it was he was interesting that he said you know from the conversations he's having colorado has gone from we are trying to be the hoity-toity academic west coast school to where you are hiring dion freaking sanders and everything is going to be flashy and we are investing everything in athletics and that is a very very big change and that is a change that is very hard to get institutional alignment on making that change but somehow they have apparently done that, and they're all in on Coach Prime. And did you see his like? Did you watch any of his intro video? Yes. Well, what did I, you I think? watched some several. people. Some people were like, "This is so harsh. She's going to need some of those kids, or like whatever." In that, they didn't like. No, it. the hell they he isn't. It. Like that's the one thing. No, the hell he's not. Dude, look at this he's portal. Gonna, he's going to get anybody. The other thing is anybody who's ever been in a locker room. Um, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Like those kids aren't that worried about that. Like, well, I mean, there's also our fans that BR fans that think like when Kalani says it's all about love and learning that he's literally holding hands and singing Kumbaya yeah, in the locker room. And it's like the, uh, when really it's more like, I would love it if you would pull your head out of your ass and learn how to do your damn job. But the, um, so I think it, it was great. I mean, if you haven't watched it go, he said like, you know, we're going to be professional. We're not going to do this. I mean, there was definitely some uh, blowback I've seen from some HBCU, like, I don't know, what you call them like a traditionalist, like some very people who are very passionate about the mission of HBCUs and how they do, because they kind of feel like maybe Dion talked a big game and kind of just like did his time at, at JSU and then bounced the first P5 job he got, which he did, but also he 
literally invested millions of dollars in the university. So it's uh, not like he, of his he, own he, money. He, right. Yeah, he didn't use them in just straight jump, but he did. Well, he and was not a, he wasn't a lifer there. So any I think one it, of those other coaches got a chance, they do the same thing. Right. And so, um, but it is, I mean, he's talking too, like about supposedly their recruiting coordinator fielded calls from 200 kids within like day. hours of yeah. him coming in. And, and when you think about like, Hey, we just said, we went through the four kids from BYU who were in the portal. Bama had 10 kids enter the portal yesterday. Ellis, Florida, had like 18 or something oregon, oregon had 13 and they like they were knocking on the door of the playoff uh, the final let, weekend of the year let me see i saw on three was releasing their uh coaching carol where is it there's like i thought they had like a portal thing i don't know um, I, don't, I don't talk about on uh on three they were oh transfer portal so they were had they had like a trend oh dang it they didn't do oh here it is. So they have can I sort by this? Oh, they've got transfers in and out. They've got like grades and like the adjustment thing. But yeah, like Kansas, UCLA seven, Kansas six, Michigan's already had three, Utah's had two, Pitt has had seven, that's it, but it's like Oklahoma ten. Uh, you know, LSU six, all these schools, Penn State six, Tennessee seven, Tennessee, yeah. ASU ten. Like Indiana, ten. There are these schools that are just losing players left and right and left and right, and it's so to only have four is nothing. Like, don't say the sky is falling. All of our players are quitting because we are in the like bottom twenty five percent of we're schools. On, we're on the left losses. side of that bell curve for sure. Um, the other thing that I think <laughs> I roll my eyes at. A, a certain former BYU recruiting guy. I just roll my eyes at everything he tweets. Um, BYU recruiting. That's the other thing. Okay. Spencer Fano commits to Utah today. Uh, a lot of buzz around guys like like Walker Lyons probably commits to Utah. Um, you know, Smith Snowden, we've thought, commits to Utah for a while. Um, Hunter Clegg could potentially flip to Utah, right? So there's there's a lot of Utah buzz. Which is great. That that's great. I think it's important to talk about this. Utah, look, nobody likes to say nice things about their rivals, but Utah's going to the Rose Bowl for the second straight year. Uh, you know, they they've won the Pac-12, which as much as we you know we all kind of like to turn our noses up at the Pac-12, they are the premier power conference in the Western United States right now. Maybe not for long, maybe not in the future, but for uh, well, these, the, that's by default. But sure, yes. fine. But these kids that grew up in California and in Utah—that's what they know. That's what they hear. Uh, so yeah, Utah's got a ton of momentum, and they may get those guys. And, and so people look at that because we all wanted those guys to be at BYU. People look at that and say, "Damn, like this sucks. This is really tough. This, you know, we failed as a BYU. Like this sucks." BYU has um, LJ Martin, Stanford commit, four-star running back. He's coming to he's coming on an official visit this weekend. I talked to him this morning. Right. Um, I've heard, I've been told, I haven't been able to confirm it with them yet. But Smith Snowden is supposed to be there this weekend. Um, Malachi Riley is supposed to be there this weekend. It's a pair of four-star guys. Cialia Sarah will be there this weekend, right? Jackson Bowers is is still locked in with BYU, and 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 as much as I love Walker, and as much as I love these guys, I've, I've said it a long time. I really love Jackson Bowers, 
We forgot Jackson about Bowers him. He's a football guy. He like is. If you look up football guy in the dictionary, there's a picture of Jackson Bowers. Right. And, and we forgot about him because he's been committed for so long, but that dude's for real. Let's just pretend that like there, there's four four-star guys on officials, uh, CLA, Smith, Malachi, and, and LJ. Well, okay, so let's pretend BYU holds on to CLA and they pick up two of the others. Like, pick your two. I don't care. That's four four-star guys in this class, and that doesn't include an Ethan Thomason, right? Yeah, I'd love Spence Fano. I'd love Walker Lyons. I'd love Hunter Clegg. Of course I would. But that would be the most four-star guys in a single BYU recruiting class since the Jake Heaps class. And so that's to going, ten, And that's uh, like in line. That is a big 12 it is. Recruiting it's right. Class. So if right I look right. at twenty, if I look at twenty twenty two, here on twenty four seven, and let me hop over to the Big Twelve. Okay, Texas signed two five stars and twenty four stars. Oklahoma signed zero five stars. Well, there's only thirty two five stars, so we'll just lump them together. Oklahoma signed eighteen, and then the rest of the Big Twelve: Oklahoma State six, West Virginia two, Baylor three, Iowa State two, Texas Tech two, TCU four, Kansas State, and Kansas zero. Like if you get four four-star players in a single class, that is a very good class. It's a like great that class. Is, it's, and it's, and the reason I bring it up is not to sit there and compare it to everybody else, but it's to say that I get that it feels like times are dark at BYU right now. But if they sign these four guys, that's one of BYU's, if not BYU's very best recruiting class that they have ever had. Ever. Yeah. That's still a win. It may not be as big of a win as it could have been, and we hoped it would be. And if you're comparing the size of BYU's win to Walker or to excuse me to, to Utah's class with Walker Lions and Spencer and all those guys, no, it isn't the same. But you it isn't supposed to be. It isn't supposed to be. The, Utah had a 10 year head start in a P5 world. Great, good for yeah. them. Let BYU's wins compare them to where BYU is, has been, right? And, and and then year over year, they've got to get better. And they can do that. So, so who, that's who if you had to say, of those guys visiting, who would you, if you had to pick two of them, who would you say, like, it would likely to come, you know, of of the guys that are already committed, give me two names that I'm going to throw into the class calculator here. Oh, of the uncommitted guys, uh, yeah. look, Malachi Riley. He just continues to do things that say he likes BYU. I never expected it, but throw him out there. And then uh, L.J. Martin, I think, go ahead and throw him on there as well. Okay, so L.J. Martin. Okay, and I will add in mystery recruit that you've mentioned a couple times, just yep. for funsies. So that is for like a year seventeen play. So that's seventeen. Um, that is 17 commits, so that's still a very small class. That's not even including any transfers, right? And the team ranking, that would give us a score of 179-16. So last year, our, uh, let's see, 179 would be, or last year, our, our class with 26 commits was 181. So in that was rank number 56 yeah, overall. Yeah. So it's like if with 179, it's 16, and like your average is going to be like that is good. And plus, yeah, that's not even getting into the no transfers. You know, that's no not even way. getting into the transfers, which like some of the names that we've heard that potential names, it's like you're not going to be upset about it. And it, it's going to be, this is going to be a good class. So when you're saying that 
The recruiting is awful. It has not picked up at all since we got the Big 12 invite. That's just not true. Like we've we talked about this one of our earliest episodes that like the difference between um, I think we talked about when Gentry signed with Virginia that the that and when Andrew Gentry signed with Virginia that <clears throat> if him alone adding him alone just one offensive lineman to the class is would have raised BYU's ranking like twenty spots because. Right. Right. of how they calculate things in the class rankings on 24-7. So it's really, when you're talking about the difference between rank, being ranked number 70 and being ranked in num- number 40, you're basically talking about two four-star kids. That's yeah. the difference. Yeah. And But the thing is, if you do that year after year, now that two four-star kids year after year becomes eight four-star kids, and now that's almost half your starters are much better quality than what you otherwise would have. So it's the, it's the consistently being in the top 40s is what really makes a difference. And we're inching up. We got a couple of those players last year, and now we're looking to get a couple more. And if we get four, we need to clean up the bottom of the class with the fewer projects, which new staff is going to do that. And the offensive staff is swinging for the fences. And so it's it, things are fine. Everything is fine. It's going to be brace yourself now. It's going to be a rough few years adjusting to the Big 12. But when you say like, oh, we're not going to win a game, we're not going to go to a bowl for five years or whatever, get over it. It's fine. Like yeah. the portal, we're going to get a bunch, a whole mess of bodies of guys who want to go in and we can, you know, coming who will be willing to come in and play. We can go get, go freaking raid the all Mountain West team of all those dudes who were first team all Mountain West and went into the portal. Say, hey, come, come over here. That's fine, right? You can do that, and you can pick off those players. It is we have no idea what the roster is going to look like next fall once camp starts, and we're going to be okay. Uh, we didn't really plan on talking about this, but PK has let it out that Jay Hill looks oh like. Gosh, it's, I, we've been keeping this in for like four days. <laughs> it looks like it's becoming more and more official. So that's great. Uh, let uh, BYU like make it official. But here is my. As the resident Ogdenite of this podcast, here is my official take on Jay Hill. I did not include him on my defensive coordinator's uh, big board 1.0 because I thought it was not possible. I didn't think BYU even had a chance because he's turned down big money from Utah in the past. He has, you know, he, he views himself as a head coach candidate, not a coordinator candidate. And uh, for BYU to get him, I, I didn't think it was possible. So I didn't include him on any of the lists. If this does, in fact, become true, which it sure looks like it is, it is the best case scenario for Brigham Young University. Jay Hill is a Kyle Whittingham clone. Kalani came from the Kyle Whittingham tree. Jay is Kyle Whittingham. And he will come and mix in his level of, of what he brings from an execution standpoint, what he brings from a recruiting standpoint. He's not recruited. Uh, you know, he's been an FCS head coach for a little while, so it's a little bit of a different ball game. But when he was at Utah, he was widely regarded as one of the best recruiters on their staff. Eric Weddle swears by him, right? And, 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 and who- if you... If the worry there is like, oh, we pulled Ed Lamb, which congratulations, Ed Lamb, new head coach at Northern Colorado University or University of Northern Colorado. Great uh, fit. The, 
if you're worried about Ed Lamb came from an FCS background, Ed Lamb, his coaching career was GA at BYU. Next year was defensive coordinator at Idaho in the WAC for two years, let go, and then went to uh, San Diego and coached under Jim Harbaugh for three years as a defensive backs coach at the University of San Diego, coaching non-scholarship football right. in the Pioneer League, and then went to SU. The, like it's the similarity starts and ends at they were an FCS coach in the state of Utah. Yeah, so it's very different. Um, very much that uh, Jay Hill is an FBS coach who has been an FCS head coach. Where and, and that it was, is it was the reverse, right? For, for right. And with Jay, you know, when people are saying like, "Oh, he's waiting for a big time job." You Great. do not follow things enough if you think that he's going to get handed a big time job. Because I actually went through this and I thought about this. Okay, and, and I think he's interviewed. I believe it was when the New Mexico job opened in 2020 or whenever that was. He interviewed for that job and he didn't get it. And it's and a few the, others. There's been a, a few others along the way. But if you look at active FBS head coaches who were hired directly from the FCS ranks, okay, you have Craig Bull at Wyoming, Chris Kleeman at Kansas State, who both won multiple national championships at North Dakota State. You have Mike Houston at ECU, who won a title at James Madison. And you now have G.J. Kinney, who was last year, was the offensive coordinator at UCF, was hired to be the head coach at FCS Incarnate Word, for was there for one year, took him to the playoffs. They went like 11-1 or 10-2 or whatever. And then they, and then he just got hired to replace Jake Spavadol at Sunbelt, very bottom 10 FBS program, Texas State. And so it is, there are only four. The only other person who was a direct FCS to FBS head coach hire was Will Healy, got hired from Austin P to Charlotte, he was okay his first year and then had three very bad years and got canned this year. And instead they, and then Charlotte went out and hired a hedge fund manager named Biff Pogi, who wears cut, cut t-shirts with cut off, ripped sleeves ripped off on the sidelines. Um, but there is, so it's like the jump of, you know, going and hiring an FCS coach to come take over your program is not a thing that people do. Oh, the other, only other guy's Lance Leipold. Right, like he he's at Kansas now, but Buffalo hired him from D three after he won like seven straight D three national championships. Right, like it's, right. unless you're winning multiple titles, you are not getting a look because there. I mean, there's maybe been one or two other in the last decade guys that have gotten those kinds of jobs. But basically, you're looking at since Stanford hired Jim Harbaugh from Stanford or from San Diego, which was a very out of the box hire. Think of the hundreds of the hundreds of FBS hires that have been made in that time. And which is, it's probably like Whittingham and Kirk Ferentz are like the only two people. Whittingham is the second most tenured coach behind Ferentz in all of college football. And he's been there since 2005. Saban was like 2007. Everybody else, every other school has turned over since then. So you're talking like 250 FBS head coaching hires have been made plus in the last decade, maybe 300, and about seven of them were FCS head coaches. Yeah, it's it, just not a thing. it just doesn't happen very often. So uh, it probably should be for schools like UNLV and New Mexico would be wise to do that, but they don't. But for, for BYU's perspective, with Jay Hill coming over, uh, it really is as good as BYU could have done. It really is as good as BYU could have done. Um, 
He's ran that defense at Weber. He's a defensive guy, played, I can't remember if it was corner or safety, but he played defensive back at Utah during his playing career. He's got a defense background. He's also coached on the offensive side of the ball for a chunk of his career. So if you're pulling up his resume, looking at his he, resume, don't be don't be scared away by you know, the offensive experience. He's done both, and he's done both at a really, really high level. Uh, they run the same single high safety, you know, down three, four down linemen like uh, like Utah does. Whether they do yeah. that at BYU remains to be seen, but that's the scheme that he ran when he went to Weber, and clearly Weber doesn't have the athletes that Utah does, but that's what he did, and he demanded perfection. Uh, the guy, the guy's relentless. I think he would have left Weber a few years ago. His his wife had some health problems, and and that kept them in Ogden. Uh, the community has been great for him. The, Ogden has loved him and his family. That's the other thing. Like you're getting the Hill family. The Hill family is spectacular. Just a tremendous fan family. Uh, you're getting both of them, right? If if he does in fact come to BYU, it's it's a win. It's it's absolutely a win. And then the last thing that I will say is the for what three years now we've been doing this show, and I think. Since like episode one, we've had people that have been like pining for a new defensive coordinator, a new uh, assistant head coach. Well, those those guys are both gone now, right? It's going to be an all new defensive staff. We know that, um, and and quite frankly, like BYU could replace them with a broomstick, and you'd probably get more effort on the recruiting trail. And Ooh, so, Jay Hill's going to come in. The guy understands how important talent is. He's going to recruit. We'll, we'll see how good of a recruiter he is. He, he's been a great recruiter in his past. We'll, we'll see what that means going forward. But the one thing I do know is that his coaching staff will be expected to be great recruiters. And that's what has been missing at that defensive coordinator level. Is It's one thing if your coordinator is not great. That's You, know, you could live with that as long as you're getting good coaching. And Jay Hill will bring good coaching. Yeah. But if you're not going to be a great recruiter yourself, you better expect greatness from your staff, and that hasn't been there. Jay Hill will expect greatness from his staff. Yeah, I think, and people will be frustrated and complain about like, well, why didn't Kalani expect more or do more for the last seven years or whatever? And yes, there's all those arguments to be made. Um, you know, it's kind of the same thing that we saw with Ty Detmer, and when Ty Detmer was holding on to Zadok Dinkelman and didn't want to offer Zach Wilson or any of the other in-state quarterbacks that, you know, ultimately it, it fell apart and the whole thing got canned and we got a new staff in there that got after it. And it's Kalani will give you the rope to hang yourself for better or worse. And if it, but he will not let you drag him down with him. And you may disagree with that style. That's totally fine. I don't think it's perfect. I would probably do some things different if I was in his shoes too, but he also knows that things need to change in order to compete in the big 12 and the foot has been put down. So you can complain about and be annoyed about what happened three, four years ago, which are now the guys that are coming home from missions and funneling into the program now. And you can be annoyed by that and that's fine, but it's done. So it's don't, we are going to see changes. And if you don't, then his seat will get hot and other moves will be made. Yep. I mean, point blank. The only so, thing I'll say negative about this hire is I don't know how many people he will bring with him, you know, being like players. There's probably a few guys at Weber that are, are worthy of being at BYU. But if I they were first know. team all big sky, I will take them. Otherwise, yeah, I don't I mean, care. That That's that's the one downside. And that's not his all fault. Right. And that gets rectified after like a month. <laughs> so who cares? 
Right. And, and we don't also know what, <clears throat> so I think we could safe to assume though, this is going to be the assistant head coach. Uh, I don't know if that will have the DC tag or both, or if there's yeah. going to be a co-DC situation. We don't know what the rest of the staff is going to look like. Obviously, there is the report from BJ Reigns, the Boise State beat writer, that Kelly Papinga is coming back to Provo. Um, and, I got some tea on that report, by the way. Oh. Um, I I don't doubt the validity of that report one bit. He'll be here. Great. He'll be here on staff somehow. Uh, apparently all that was needed to run with that report was a player. Like that report came out on the word of a player. Oh, that is not the thing that Ooh. I would say. Uh, think of how much you know as a random employee about what's going on with the C-suite at your company. And that's about how much I would trust what players say is happening within the program at a meta level of this guy's leaving and this person is staying or we're hiring this coach. So I, I would not worry um, about that. So it's, so, you know, if you assume then Gennaro Guilford or Gennaro, actually I should, I think it, his mom yeah, said, whoa, Gennaro. I, heard, I caught that. Everybody said Gennaro. I've been saying it wrong since 2001. So, so I'm sorry about that Gennaro. Um, so Gennaro Guilford. Um, so if you look at Papinga Hill, Gennaro Guilford, then you're looking at, Maybe a guy like Justin Enna's name has been thrown out there. I don't know for so th- we're looking there that really we need a D line coach, you know, an interior defensive line coach, and maybe we get a you know I would love 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 if we could get Jason Kafusi from Arizona, but I don't know if he's been called. But that would that would be if if we could pull that then that would be great. I mean, if we could go get Vic from Cal, that would be great too. Or go get a random guy if you're talking about an fcs coach or something like go pick off the go pick off utsa's defensive line coach and say hey dude we will back the brinks truck up to you to come into to come to provo from texas you don't need you don't want to coach in the american you you don't want a g5 job come coach in the big 12 with us just go get a random d-line coach yeah the one thing you just hope that fessy satake doesn't take the head coaching job at weber i don't think he will but I can promise you they'll call. They will call and they will probably internally, they will probably hire things. They're going to, the thing with Weber is they've got Mickey mental at that staff that he's a stud. And so is Brent Myers. Both of them would be great, great, great candidates. They but can go from within. They will call Fessy. They're going to, they're going to call Fessy. They're going to call, they're going to call Frank Miley. They're going to call half the dudes at BYU, Utah and USU. And then there probably will be some shuffling of staff between SUU and Utah Tech. Maybe they'll call Paul Peterson and try to get him up from, you know, there, there'll be some shuffling of staffs from within the other in-state schools and guys going there. And I mean, it'll be interesting to see how, if they can keep it going. Cause they're, I mean, what they were able to build at Weber or what Hill was able to consistently build at Weber when Weber was not good neither like Weber was not good for a very long time and he was able to build a, a perennial top 10 program is, is extremely impressive. And so I'm excited. There's great news. We got to see how the probably by the end of the week, we'll see the rest of the staff rounded out. Uh, don't worry about not seeing other names that they were fired. Like guys are going to go, they're looking out for different jobs. It is better. It was like Elisa Tuyaki stepped down. It's better today to say, Hey, Ed Lamb left because he got a head coaching job at FCS at Northern Colorado 
that is much better than saying Ed Lamb got fired. So it is. let let it work itself out. And, you can like you can talk. You can oh yeah, and he's taking a GA with him. So you can talk about all of like the PR things of like we need to get out in front of it. So awful like other coaches don't care about PR of when you timed the announcement. Players don't care about PR of when you timed the announcement of thing going out. If Kelly Papinga is coming, he's already talking to guys in the portal and building a relationship with them and saying, uh, and then saying, Hey, this is like what, you know, what it's going to do. It's all going to come out in the next 48 to 72 hours. And it's going to be a blip in the radar and nobody's going to care any different. So just relax. It's going to be fine. My last, my last bit, it's jam-packed. It's recruiting season, folks. Maxwell Ihinachor. He's from Nigeria. 6'7", offensive tackle. Um, coming from the JUCO ranks, he's picked up a few offers of late. Jackson State before... Um, what's his name? Dion left. Cal, Iowa State, Weber, Kansas, Mizzou. I mean, he's picked up some big offers. He will be on campus at BYU this weekend for an official. Beautiful. So, so there you go. More more bodies. More big bodies, especially on the offensive line. I mean, look, and, like you lose Spencer Fano, that sucks. But you pick up a guy who's got Iowa State, Missouri, you know, a bunch of our peers now. BYU BYU's peers. Cal. I mean, it's not like he's an FCS guy. Like he's got yeah. one, two, three, four, five, five P five offers. Utah State offered. He was on an official there. Colorado State. Uh, the the guy's good. He's very and, good, and he's coming to visit. So if you think that the offensive line coaching situation is awful, it needs to, absolutely needs to be fired. Well, one, go read the newsletter I wrote yesterday. You're overreacting, and two, and like you, you are overreacting. Not you, the fan. But you know who you are who's overreacting oh, yes. and read all the words. You should read the actual article instead of getting mad and replying to a screenshot. Um, but the if you, you know, it's like if you think, in summary, if you think Jeff Grimes is truly the best offensive line coach in the country, then who the hell do you think you would replace him with at BYU and not expect some level of drop-off? I'm, I'm watching like, a highlight of this Maxwell kid at six seven. 315 pounds, get up and throw a two-handed dunk down. Ooh, send me that. I just retweeted it. The boy can jump. Boy's an athlete. So if, yeah, it's at offensive line, like you can say that doing it in, oh, Funk is such a jerk. That's why Spencer Fano, he ruined the relationship with the Fano family, and that's why Spencer's not coming, and that's why Barrington, who was a starter, is leaving. Well, this kid's interested. There's other, the kid from Kent State is interested. Who's a Mac all Mac player? He's coming, you know, he's interested. It's fine. It's all gonna work out. Just sit back, enjoy the ride, stop taking everything so damn seriously, and just give them hell on the things that actually matter. Give them hell.